Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by two very awesome guests. I am joined by Dustin of Dustin Can Read and Adam of the Great American Screen Podcast. Thank you two so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. I'm very excited for this topic. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto here. (laughs) I am too. Um, Just so that way everybody can kind of get used to everyone's voice and who is who, uh, we'll kind of, I'll let you two kind of introduce yourselves. Well, I guess since I said Dustin first, Uh, Dustin, uh, would you mind telling the folks about yourself and your podcast? Yeah, thanks. Um, My name is Dustin Holden and I host Dustin Can Read. It's a show where I read modern middle grade and YA books and look at them from an adult perspective and kind of give commentary on them like you're watching a bad movie and, you know, just commenting on the characters. And and uh, sometimes we also do some short stories and some audio kind of drama stuff, which Brucker has participated in before. He's actually <laughs> been on another episode, too, where we were uh, um, analyzing uh, the upcoming adaptation of Oral Stein's The Babysitter. And uh, that was, that was going to be fun. Episode. That was a fun talk. Yeah. I love these. I love those adaptation episodes we're doing lately. So, um, but yeah, you can find me anywhere. Um, Dustin can read pretty much wherever podcast is played. Yeah, that rocks. First of all, very excited about the prospect of like <laughs> just like reading, rereading the old Goosebumps books and all the like the um, oh, was that series of like um, the the kids in the, oh, like vampires don't wear polka dots the the Wayside School the Bailey like School that. kids yeah or one of those definitely yes yes yeah. absolutely the best <laughs> but hi um, my name is Adam O'Connell um, I'm an actor and a writer and I'm also the uh, co-host of the Great American Scream which is a horror and haunted attractions podcast where uh, I take my lovely co-host uh, Devin Wright on a uh, ghastly and goofy tour of America's favorite haunted attractions actions activities and locales we talk about it's kind of a turned into like a horror 101 so uh if it's a, a genre that you've maybe recently got it into and you want to find out more about the subgenres and the different ways to explore it then uh, come check us out uh we are on um any anywhere that you get your podcast spotify apple podcasts um and yeah come come check us out <laughs> I would recommend both of your podcasts to anyone, honestly. Adam, I've been listening to The Great American Scream since this past summer. I discovered it when I was looking for some really cool Halloween trivia, and your podcast is so educational, and it's so much fun. I'm actually a patron for it. I just really cannot express how much I think everybody should go check out The Great American Scream, and same thing for you, Dustin, for Dustin Can Read. Great show, and you're on your second season, and this second season has just been super good i've been thoroughly enjoying it every episode has been great even though i don't read the books i've been able to thoroughly enjoy it so everybody check out both of these podcasts oh good i'm glad and you know and to speak about that it's like you know on your your new show now you know i didn't even watch the movie host and i listened to the episode and it was really easy to relate to it even though i hadn't seen it it wasn't like something i was like oh i wish and i don't know what they're talking about like you you actually described things and it was easy to pick up on what was going on so I thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for the kind words. So today we have gathered here to do my first special topics episode, and we are talking about the four screen movies that we have right now. Specifically, because this is autopsy of a horror movie, we are dissecting out a very specific thing from each movie to study it, and we are only examining the opening sequences for each screen movie right now. Um, Scream is one of my favorite movies ever. Everybody that listened to my old show, Film on the Rocks, knows I'm crazy nuts about that movie. It's, I just love it, and I really like this franchise. And there are so many staples of the Scream movies 
And what I think is one of their biggest strengths is always happening or always having a very good hook, a very uh, good opening sequence and really sticks out from the rest of the movie, in my opinion. So that's pretty much the thesis for today is that Scream movies have really strong openings and we're going to be discussing those today. So I'm really excited. Thank you two for coming on to do this. Yeah, I'm also very excited to talk about this because um, like the we talk a lot in kind of the horror genre about the like the pre-Scream horror movie and the post-Scream horror movie because the first Scream movie did like an incredible, incredible thing for, for what horror movies became in the 90s and early 2000s, the slasher film, the self-aware film. Um, and like their opening sequences are a huge part of that because like Scream didn't invent invent the opening kill. Um, the horror has been doing the opening kill for years, but it kind of made the opening kill into what it is now and being able to watch for those tropes, being able to watch for all of the, the different things that you would recognize and like know what's happening, but in like the best way, like, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to die. And I think Scream played like a huge part in that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I agree with the, the whole statement you made about it being where movies, it was pretty, pretty much the start of where these, you know, slasher flicks and a lot of movies became self-aware, you know, making fun of their own genres within their movie. And I think that was what was so fun about it because it was so meta. And, you know, it, it was like you were part of the people, the cast, and, you know, you were on the couch listening to Randy discuss all the rules, you know, mm-hmm. you were, it was like you're part of it. And that's what, the reason why it was such a big deal. I watched the movies when they came out in 1990. Like, the first one came out in 96. I saw it opening night, you know, and I saw the next one, opening night. And, yeah, I saw the third one, opening night, which I have some, you know, (laughs) I have little fun (laughs) stories here and there. But I I I loved those movies, and that was, you know, that actually, I got into slasher flicks at that point, you know. At one point in my life, I kind of veered away from it. So I'm more, you know, classic person, not as much into the new stuff every so often. But Scream will always have a big special place in my heart because of that, so. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask, what was every what's everyone's history with with Scream and the franchise? Uh, has have y'all always been fans of it? Yeah, I feel like I like I had always been aware of Scream of becoming like a budgeting like horror fan, but honestly, like when I first started getting into horror, I wasn't the biggest slasher person. Um, and so in my brain, before I saw Scream, I was like, oh, it's like it's another slasher movie. Um, cool. Um, but then I finally watched it and I was like, oh, no, this is like it is a slasher movie, but it's something else entirely because it does the thing where like I love when there's a horror movie that exists in a universe where horror movies also exist. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most of the time when m- movies do that, it's just sort of like a one off gag like, oh, they're watching a horror movie while the scary thing is happening or they just like mention another horror movie. Nine but of Living Scream, Dead's on the TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with Scream, it's like. It, that's the plot of it is is that they're like it's not just this one-off thing of like oh this is like a horror movie it's like it drives the whole plot along um which i think is like the strongest thing about it and the thing that like mm-hmm. made me such a fan of it yeah it's kind of like this commentary on horror uh, and especially like at the specific time that this movie came out it was very much commentating on how the genre was at the time yeah because this, this like, meta-horror movie became so oversaturated in, like, the late 90s and early 2000s um, that you kind of forget that, like, when you're watching Scream, it's like, oh, yeah, it's one another one of those meta-horror movies. It was the, the meta-horror movie. Like, this is what started the whole avalanche of, of self-aware horror movies that we got. <laughs> so, Dustin, you said that you weren't really into slashers at the time. So what was it that made you want to go to the opening night of the first Scream movie? Oh, totally pure pressure. <laughs> pure pressure. My friends wanted to go see it, and I was like, okay. 
And the funny thing was, I already had that costume. I had that costume for a few years before this movie came out. Father Death? Yeah. I don't know if it was called that. I don't know what it was called. I guess it was called that. I, I didn't have the, cost, the package Death. anymore. Mm. Um, I think it was in the movie, and I think it might have, you know, it might have been called something else as well. You know, various regions might have different names for it, too, you know. Um, but, I, yeah, I had that costume for a while, and I already had and I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. So that, I don't know why, but it made me freak out in my own costume that I had in the closet somewhere. <laughs> like, it's kind like of scary, anymore. yeah. And, you know, of course, I don't have that anymore. I wish I had it. I never had the packaging. You know, you get rid of that stuff when you're a kid. You don't think about it. And, um, yeah, I was 15 years old, and the movie came out. And then, like, the next year, um, it, it was written by Kevin Williamson. And the next year, he came out with Dawson's Creek, which is a television show. And I'm a big TV person. So I was like, oh, I love this movie this guy wrote. I wonder if I like the show. And, you know, I watched the show. And he even had, like, a, a kind of a scream tribute in the first season. He has an episode, I think it's called The Scare, and it's kind of like, you know, this bad guy, somebody escapes from a local, you know, prison or something, and they're, you know, they think somebody's out to kill, you know, people. It, it's really silly, but um, but I've loved his stuff a lot since he came out. Like, you know, you know, I've been trying to get you to watch The Vampire Diaries, and I yeah. love The Vampire Diaries, <laughs> and um, because they actually made The Vampire Diaries story tolerable to watch. <laughs> the books suck, so. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I that's how I my history with it it's just been a big love for it from the very beginning uh, i first off want to say i love that your reasoning to go to see scream was Stu's reasoning for killing people peer pressure, peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's fantastic um my i mean i was three years old when this movie came out so but so i always grew up in just seeing like the commercials like, like the commercialism of this movie seeing like trailers of it on tv or you know, it being on cable or whatever. And I was terrified of it. Of course, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. But it was like when I, when I was growing up, horror was like one of those things I was so fascinated with, but way too scared to like get into like walking through Blockbuster. I was I would literally scare myself just looking at the covers of horror movies. Uh, <laughs> and um, I remember one night my uncle or one day my uncle was babysitting me. You know, I was off playing with my cousins or whatever, but he sat down and was watching Scream by himself because he's stuck babysitting. I guess that's what you do. And I walked in. I was like, oh, what's this? He goes, oh, it's Scream. This will make you shit your pants. Don't watch this. <laughs> and ever since then, because, you know, this adult figure is telling me, stay away from this movie. It's dangerous. I've been just terrified. I grew up terrified of Ghostface and everything. And I didn't watch this movie until I was in college, actually. Um, I think that's probably why. But uh, this movie kind of awakened in me like i like horror now and uh, that's kind of like what got me into all of this uh into watching more horror movies because i wanted to know oh what are these things that they're referencing and talking about so getting into that so yeah I've, this is just awesome we've all said it. everybody knows it's just a great movie so i kind of want to yeah. get everybody's uh, little history on that that was a lot of fun before we get into the actual topic for today would everybody agree that each screen movie has a strong opening. Is, would y'all agree that is a staple of the franchise? Yeah, I would say that for sure. I would say that. And they're all unique in their own way, too. Yeah, and I think it's also part of, like, once Scream became a franchise instead of just this one-off film, it's like, the and this is true for any movie, but I think especially for Scream, that the opening scene needs to be the thing that gets you, like, especially for Scream, just, like, hype for what's about to happen. Because, um, like, by the second movie, we already get it. We know the formula. We we don't know what's going to happen, but, like, it's a 
a slasher, but it's also like a murder mystery. So like we know the formula we're getting into. But the thing that gets us back into like, oh my God, it's Scream is like the opening scene. And no mm-hmm. matter how many times we see like, okay, Ghostface stalks the person, they say something meta about a horror movie, it's still exciting every single time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I agree with you about, you and you said about the, uh, the franchise thing and talking about like Scream, the TV series. It even had like kind of a... A, a, the opening the very first episode had like an opening kill that was kind of reminiscent of the movies a little bit you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it wasn't as strong because it was a tv show you know but it was still decent and um you know it was, it was fun it was you know they had some really woof some kills on that show were just yeah. horrible <laughs> horrible <laughs> have we all seen the tv series I have not. Yes. I know it's really bad, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. If, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you anything, but I never saw season three because I kept hearing it's horrible. Don't. But yeah, season don't, one don't. and two and the like, yeah, one and two are good. It's a completely original story. It's just kind of gives nods to the films, but it's not, it's not having to do anything with the films. I say its strongest point in the TV series is keeping up with the whodunit aspect of it. Because yes. you are, it, it, that's, that's like a really fun thing is keep, is piecing together the clues throughout the season that that is the fun part of it there's probably like at least one kill per episode and but it's mainly focused on the murder mystery aspect of it yeah that's fair i like that for it too i think that's like would lend itself to the longevity of, of a tv series <laughs> and and apparently supposedly i read that they're going to be making another screen tv series that's going to be more spun off from scream 5 oh mm. right because scream 5 is coming out when next year they yeah, were 2022 saying? Okay. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but I did read that they were either talking about it or that was just kind of an idea they were, you know, throwing out there. That makes me interesting about what's the concept of Scream 5 that makes them go, let's have a spinoff of this idea. Yeah, we can spin it off. Yeah, Yeah. interesting. That or it's going to be a new character that they're going to like, you know, that they want to use in a future series, like, you know, a detective or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That goes around solving serial killer mysteries or slasher mysteries. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I wish that might be interesting. The, the, uh, the, when you told me about this topic, and I was like, okay, I have to go back and watch all the screen movies. For some reason, in my brain, I'd remember there already being five movies. So I like researched one through four, and then I was like, okay, last one, let's watch the opening from Scream 5. And I was like searching on YouTube, and I was like, why hasn't anybody uploaded the opening for Scream 5? <laughs> and then I was like, is it called something else? And I Googled it, and Scream 5 does not exist. I just completely hallucinated the fact that that movie had already come out. Um, <laughs> It's all and it won't even be called Scream 5. That's the thing yeah. that bothers me. It's called Scream, which I am... Ugh, I, I'm, I'm upset by that, but whatever. I would rather be called The Scream if it's going to name it after the painting or something. <laughs> like, really name it after that. Ghostface. Yeah. Kind of like how they did Leatherface. That would be, be... Yeah. Whatever. That would be something. Jig, jigsaw. Like, or that's stab. a fine formula. I would stab. I think the internet would implode if they called it Stab. Oh, my God. <laughs> if it were like they filmed the actual Stab movie. <laughs> yeah, you know how that's, awesome that's a that very be? like Marvel esque thing to do of be Wouldn't like, be oh cool? look, like we already have like, oh, well, you want to see the extended universe? Let's watch Stab. <laughs> oh man, Ooh, man, that'd be interesting. Now I've got an idea that's running. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that could have been a whole uh, special topic, just naming Scream Five. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, actually, this one's called Stab. All right. <laughs> Okay, so let's go ahead and get right into the topic of today. So we'll start with Scream from 1996. This is, of course, just an iconic, super classic opening scene. Drew Barrymore going 100 miles an hour in this. It's um, it's it, it's the one. It's 
in my opinion, the best one out of the four. I mean, obviously, it's the original for this franchise. Um, there's so many just awesome, cool things about this. The phone call, the cat and mouse. One of my favorite things is how we're just tracking Drew Barrymore th- through the house. Like, we just get to see how just immaculate this house is that she's in. Just glass windows everywhere, open concept. That was definitely something about, like, all the screen movies. I was like, I love all their houses. Yeah. <laughs> Where do these people? Where do like, these people live? I my want to God. <laughs> I just don't want to be killed there. Thank you. And it, it this, I mean, I feel like all of them are like this, but this one really, they all, all of the opening sequences kind of, are kind of like a short horror movie on their own. And this one really feels like a super like creepy pasta thing to me. You know, you're a home, you're a home alone at night. You get this really eerie call from a stranger and it just gets, it turns creepy on a dime. Uh, especially, you know, when he has that slip up of, I want to know who I'm looking at. I want to know who I'm talking to. And it's, yeah, it's just really written well to the escalation. It has a really kind of like small gradual build of getting like heightened, to it's uh, just how scary it is. I just love this opening scene. Yeah, you know it's I agree familiar. Too. The girl's home alone. You get that. St- I know we both keep doing it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the girl's home alone, and you know the phone call from a stranger. You know you either have you, she's either a babysitter or she's by herself. Either way, you know it's just something that we've seen before. And then how is this one going to be different? And it turns different really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say about like the familiarity of it too. Is that like. A lot of modern suspense scenes or kind of like these cat and mouse scenes that we see in slasher films now are like colored very differently. Um, there would be like, I feel like if, if this were made in, especially in like the, the the advent of like paranormal horror that we got in like the mid 2010s, it would be dark. It would be quiet. There would be like that suspense music in the background. This is like, honestly, the first half of this scene feels very safe. We're in a totally lit house. It's just like... She's just talking. There's no like shadows or like mm-hmm. oh I I feel like I hear something or or, or fake jump scares or anything. Um, it's very safe up until that kind of wham line of like I want to know who I'm looking at because even the first half if it's like a little weird that she doesn't know who she's talking to on the phone like she's very comfortable mm-hmm. it seems and therefore we're comfortable until like it totally switches on a dime which I think is a lot more effective than just doing the straight up kind of like from the beginning it's like dark and eerie or whatever yeah and it's great too because i I like what you said like we don't open up with like a pov of ghostface like we don't know where he's at we don't even know he's there actually Mm -hmm. and like the only presence we get really is the phone call so he could literally be anywhere and like you said with uh, drew barrymore we haven't seen her break any rules of horror movies yet so we don't really know if we're all assuming because she's a star at the time like there's no way there's no way that they would do this to to, to drew barrymore and that was like the big twist of this too yeah that's what i think is one of the biggest things with the scream movies is like people always kind of dunk on casey for like why did she keep answering the phone but (laughs) i think yeah (laughs) yeah like i think the biggest thing about these movies is that like scream is about characters with genre awareness versus the characters that don't have it and it's not their fault that they don't have it it's not her fault that she doesn't know she's in a horror movie like (laughs) if you if i got a phone call like this i would be totally freaked out and like i if it continued i may even like call the police or whatever but i I don't think i would 100 percent but like i wouldn't automatically go in to like game mode it'd be like oh i'm getting a, st- a dumb stupid call right um from some like prank line or whatever um because you know you're not in a horror movie or at least you don't think you are <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what, though? I think, like, these movies kind of made me paranoid. Like, what if I am in a horror movie? You know what I mean? Like, what if, like, everything else has just been exposition up until this point, and then I'm going to, you know, it. like, oh, my God. Like, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. And here, you know, cues this of rumbling. you know, want to die. You know, <laughs> here, here comes the damn jump scares, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, I dropped something. Wow, yeah, it scares the crap out of me. It, you know, and the thing was, I loved about the beginning of this, and what I, you know, before the movie came out, because you guys are too young to remember, I'm sorry, I know I'm the old one saying that, oh God, but um, when the movie came out, they, all the advertisements for it were always talking about, oh my gosh, you know, the beginning opening sequence for Drew Barrymore echoes that of, uh, um, oh my God, what is her name? F- Psycho. Yeah. Uh, Janet Leigh. Yeah. Yeah, Janet Lee. Yeah. And he says, it goes that of Janet Lee. And I was like, ooh, who's Janet Lee? And that got me interested in re- watching Psycho. And then, you know, but the funny thing was, I was like, well, Janet Lee's opening is actually like an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like 10 minutes. And actually, that's something I wanted to point out. This one was the longest opening of any, all four movies. It was 12 minutes and 55 seconds when it cuts to the next scene. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I was like, huh. That's okay. definitely something I want to point out. Yes, yes, I, I agree with that. It's, it's interesting because this one, it, this is the one that like really drags the, 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 the suspension so much in this. Because uh, in the other ones, I feel like Ghostface kind of gets creepy on dimes like really early and doesn't, doesn't have build up. But I guess that's kind of just because. Expecting we, it. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, because audiences know what's coming now. So I might as well just get to it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up Janet Lee too, because like this does the same thing that Psycho does, which is kill off your top build star very quickly. And like in Psycho, it took half an hour or forty five minutes or however long. It took, yeah, it took a little while, and you but... got a whole backstory for her. Like she yeah. had a whole story. She's stealing some yeah, money. She's no, driving. When... Yeah, <laughs> they killed off Drew Barrymore literally thirteen minutes into the movie, and um, like I love that it echoes Psycho in that way, and then I also think it primes the audience for like, okay, truly nobody is nobody's safe. Yeah, exactly. Dustin, what was the theater experience like for this? Like, were what was it kind of like a ruckus crowd? Or like, just what was was? Did you feel the shock in the theater? Oh my that? god! So okay, let me give you a comparison. Have you ever seen the Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon movie Fear? Oh my god! So. Watch that movie. If you like this movie, you will watch. <laughs> see, I watched that movie like probably I don't know. I think it came out around the same time, and I think in my memory it serves me correct, it came out before this. I'm probably wrong, but, <laughs> but yeah, I saw that movie and it, it was like an adrenaline. It's like, Oh my God, you left the movie and you're just like adrenaline was pumping. You know what I mean? Like, Oh my God, you just had the woo, you know, you had to like shake it off. And that's kind of how this felt because it was so new. It wasn't something like when you saw speed for the first time, it was like, Oh my God, you were just intense the entire movie. And then afterwards it paid off and you're like, Oh my God. So you just, you had to like let everything go. It's like, you just had a massage where you, you were tense all day and then you just <laughs> let it all out. And it was just, Oh man. The, the endorphins that came from that. <laughs> Everybody was just talking a mile a minute. It was it was awesome. It was just, you know, it's like any of those big movies that come out nowadays, or even the water cooler talk about some of the stuff that streams nowadays. You know, it's oh, everybody's yeah. so excited about it. And it was just it was really cool. I feel like it would it would be reminiscent of like um I remember having the similar experience when I saw Hereditary in theaters. Um, you know you know the part where uh <laughs> Spoiler alert, where she gets decapitated, but everyone, like, we, I couldn't even hear what was going on because everyone in the theater was, like, yelling and talking, and, like, uh, everyone was in, in complete shock, and, and we couldn't even tell what was going on for the next, like, five oh, minutes. Yeah. 
you definitely had to go back. I definitely had to go back a couple of times because I know I missed stuff from like just going, oh my God, or closing my eyes, like, you know, bracing myself <laughs> or it was great. Like I, I definitely went back several times and I ended up buying the VHS of it. Like because they came out and on VHS of the first movie, it came out with like um, multiple covers. One of Drew, one of, you know, one looks like the movie poster, one of Drew, one of Nev Campbell and one of uh, Courtney Cox. And I ended up collecting them. And then a stupid kid, I sold them. Well, um, <laughs> um, I sold them later on. Um, but yeah, I ended up collecting all of them. And I took I took my VCR on road trips, like and and like we would watch that. I mean, it was really. Real. I brought it to school, and like like we were taking time <laughs> off. Like I convinced the teachers to let us watch it yeah. in class. I'm not kidding. Like I was like it was. I was a big fan of this movie. I even got the script, which I think I posted on Instagram. Um, it, yeah, it, it was it's a great movie. I love it. So something I want to uh, kind of talk about with this is just how a, a staple of these opening scenes are having multiple kills in them too. It's not. It's, it's, I don't think it's ever just one person. It's always multiple people, and uh, it it establishes very quickly because I think that at least in this movie, the first two kills we get are extremely violent and grotesque. The, the most violent ones of the movie. And, like, Steve gets gutted very quickly, and it's very gross. And then Drew Barrymore as well. And something that I never realized before until I rewatched it for today's episode, you see the steam coming off of her guts as she's hanging outside. And You see it on Steve, too, I think, a little bit. I I couldn't tell if it was Steve or the pool behind him, but I I, I trust you. Um, (laughs) Probably a little both, actually. They probably did both. It's just, uh, it's so visceral because so i like to on the show i like to talk about types of fears that these movies tap into and this is really tapping obviously death but we're also getting some like uh, uh body mutilation as well which is like a kind of like different type of fear as well and also separation we see how isolated casey is like in this house in this house you don't even see any neighbors and Ghostface even points that out to her. It's like, if you call the cops, they want to get here in time. So you really get that fear of, oh my God, I am alone. I am separated from help. I am just on my own doing this. And it really puts you in her shoes of what do you do? Yeah, and I think that like it's very, um, one of the, the, the more powerful points of Scream uh, is how grounded in reality it is with like realistic, not only with the realistic gore, um, but also in like Ghostface as a killer. Like Scream is ridiculous, obviously, but also it's like, complete and utter realism like it's not like a michael myers or jason Voorhees situation where sure they're people but also they're like indestructible mm-hmm. or, or they can't be taken down ghostface is truly just a dude it's in a every movie high schooler just a per yeah it's just a person so like even it, this could happen a hundred percent it is that grounded in reality um but i also think that's what makes Ghostface such an interesting villain and we see it a lot in this first scene that like sure Ghostface outsmarts Casey but like physically they're pretty evenly matched um and this is where we start to get some of Ghostface's like pratfalls which is I think (laughs) just an excellent excellent addition to to these movies and to Ghostface um that it's so like despite how ridiculous and commenting on the genre it is it is more grounded in reality than I think most slasher movies are. Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. I think that, yeah, the thing is that Ghostface is, it's like you said, like Ghostface is not some, you know, superhuman killer, you know, and, and that's the thing and, and falls down and like, you know, gets outsmarted a little bit, you know, by chasing somebody and they runs into a door or, you know, something like that. 
But at the same time, the scary thing about Ghostface is that he won't stop. Whoever's under that mask won't stop and keeps coming back, you know, and then gets right back up. Even after you've stabbed them or have shot them, gets right back up and keeps coming because they've got that much hatred and adrenaline in them. It's like, that's scary just for a regular person to be that, you know, ominous and that, you know, that much power they have just from that adrenaline of wanting to kill someone. That's, that's freaky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do, do either of you have any theories as to who was making the phone call and who was where, donning the ghost face uh, costume in this scene? Billy, oh, Billy was totally on the phone. Yeah, I think Billy was on the phone. I think so too. Was in the costume. I, I feel like for most of this first movie, like almost all of the pratfalls have got to be Stu, which is <laughs> the way that they characterize him, um, which might not work out like in the the grand scheme of like the plot of the film. But like that's my own personal. It's <laughs> like, okay. It's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, I watch it. I don't think I think Billy was the smart one and would probably be like, you know what, you're gonna do most of the kills. That way they can't pill, pin this stuff on me if something goes wrong. You know, like yeah, he got peer pressured. <laughs> that's that's my personal theory. Um I do think though okay, slightly off topic. I do think though the one kill where it was Billy was uh Tatum. That's the one I think that it was actually Billy. Oh, just, he hated Tatum. <laughs> yes, yes. That's fair. Hated Tatum. And, also, and probably Tatum was a distraction for Stu, so maybe, yeah, get it yeah, out Yeah, and Stu was hosting, and also it wasn't, it was like the one, um, I guess I'll say, unique or like clever kill, because it was the garage door. It wasn't like just being stabbed. So that one was a little bit less personal, so I feel like Billy could have just, you know, pressed the button and do it. But yeah, anyways, that was my little side tangent. No, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> Stu is my favorite character in this movie, like partly because like growing up I had a crush on Matthew Lillard and continuously I have a crush on Matthew Lillard. <laughs> but also I think he's just like, his character kind of embodies like exactly what these movies are. And even though he doesn't appear in the rest of them, like there's always a Stu of some variety or, or shape or form in the following movies mm-hmm. and i love Stu so much in this movie that matthew lillard goes 100 miles an hour in this movie so there's so many times where he does like the ghost face face like he sticks his tongue out a bunch to make it look like and it's just like a f- clever full funny little like easter egg i just i geek out every time i see it um i think that uh, some of us have kind of like said some things about what we think that this opening scene is commenting on but do you think that there is any sort of like commentary about this opening scene don't live out in the boonies by yourself <laughs> <laughs> like you know that's the thing that's what's scary about that and you know like the setting it's kind of like yeah don't just uh it's almost kind of like a, a. If you looked at it today, it would be like a commentary on white privilege. She's just so mm. like, oh, okay, nothing's gonna happen to me. You know, I'm just talking to this guy who I don't know, who's kind of weird and kind of mysterious, and you know, won't get off the phone and keeps calling back. And you know, and she's just kind but of. Damn, he's got a sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a problem with that. So you know, that's if you think of it that way, it's kind of like, yeah, she's kind of got that. I'm the white girl. No one, nothing's gonna happen to me. I'm always gonna be taken care of. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and you're out here by yourself. And yeah, that's what you set yourself up for failure here. It's almost quite literally like she thinks she's the main character and she's not. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 exactly. She's like, I'm the final girl. No, no, you're, you're final girl for the first thirteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe That's in the thing movie, too. maybe she had like a whole thing built up till this point. We just didn't get to see it, you know. And yeah, I was gonna say like this girl. is also a great final girl scene. Yes, it but is. But it's at the beginning of the movie. Yes, I it. feel like they're gonna do a prequel based on Casey, <laughs> just like leading up to her. <laughs> I know, poor Casey. She doesn't yeah. need that. We already got Casey of got Woodsboro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of you know I. 
uh, same thing that you were saying, Dustin. I was kind of really feeling, you know, separation and how, like, scary that could be. Uh, but in a more, like, meta sense, I felt like the this whole opening scene, you could probably say for the whole movie, too, that this is just Kevin Williamson's love for Carpenter's Halloween. There's so many fun references to, to the movie. You know, she directly references Michael Myers uh, in this opening scene. But it definitely feels kind of like a babysitter killer without the babysitting the line that her dad says go uh, going down to the mckenzie's that's what laurie strode says and you know i just i was just feeling a lot of just love for halloween uh, in this movie so or in this opening scene specifically so i just kind of like oh this is kind of just like a little meta fun like hey remember that movie that movie was awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can definitely feel the love and i think that yeah that was a big influence in in the beginning of the writing of this especially Mm-hmm. I remember he said that in some interviews that Halloween was the mega influence for this movie. Definitely. And Billy Loomis, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to Screen 2, the sequel to this movie. Um, this, op- I, I don't know why, but I this opening sequence sticks out to me so much. And I think it's because it takes place in a movie theater. And it's surrounded very... by people. Yeah. <laughs> it's loud. This is a loud opening scene. It's wild. It's a ruckus uh, opening uh, opening to a movie, to a movie that nobody has seen, but everybody seems to already oh, know God. everything for it. It's Well, crazy. I mean, you got to think these murders were like big news. The whole Gail Weathers thing. She was a reporter. It's based on the book, right? Yeah. Okay. So everybody was talking about it, and of course, when they make it to a slasher film, people are like, "Oh yeah, that thing! We got to go see but, it!" Like, like in the world of like in the universe of Scream, you're just dressing up like Jeffrey Dahmer going to the movies. It's so weird. Like that is the weird thing. Yes, that is what. No, and the thing was, it wasn't them just dressing up. The studio sent all these free costumes <laughs> to this one theater. Was it just to this one theater, or was it to like all the theaters that were premiering this movie at, the, at that outside. time? Like it's like what? Crazy what did they? Who town. does that? What studio would spend that money? And they're glow in the dark, just and glorifying the death of real people, like yeah. painlessly. And we're just like, and you're you're putting the face of that killer like on your poster, and like, hey, everybody you, dress up like him. It's fun to be. They don't this. even have the the thing to like change the costume. <laughs> like at least put him in a different costume, gang. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. That's yeah. I agree, I agree with that. Like, give him a different ghost face or something. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and the thing was, and then they also have, like, this weird, like, flying ghost face when they walk in. He's flying up ab- above the audience. And I'm like, who are these what people? the hell? <laughs> and they're just going nuts. And, like, who, what what theater would let all these people go nuts in the theater like this? Like, what manager would be like, oh, this is fine. All these kids yeah. can go nuts, tear the place apart. That's totally cool. Uh, <laughs> it it kind of reminds, Adam, I think that you would know this. Uh, was it William Castle that did that for his movies? He had the skeleton flying in the yeah, movie Yeah, he theater? had the, the, the skeleton for The House on Haunted Hill, I think, that would fly out over uh, the audience for like one scene. Uh, it is very William Castle-y. And also it reminded me a lot of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show, like Midnight Screening. But like yeah. that's accepted because everybody at a Rocky Horror Screening or most people have seen the movie 50 You're times. You're expected so to do all this. You can cause a ruckus. <laughs> this is crazy to me. It's nuts. Um, the movie is but, starting and they're just screaming their heads off on top of it. I'm like, are you not going to watch the movie you yeah. came to see? Like, <laughs> And then also, but uh, what that kind of like lends to the movie scream Two is that like you immediately know what bad news this is going to be for these two <laughs> ma- these two people that we meet you're like oh that's it they're in trouble 
Yeah, and this is one of those things where I'm like, oh, I want Jada Pickett-Smith to be in the rest of the movie. Like, you know, I would love to see her in the rest of this. But, you know, I I just love, again, I just kind of love that this all takes place in a movie theater. I don't know why. I felt, uh, Dustin, did you get to see this movie in, in theaters? Oh, yeah. I definitely saw it in the theater. And it was, and I had to go pee afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so you imagine, I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to go to the bathroom. Because I had already, like, drank the whole soda. Just wait. Because we got there early to get good seats. And we're sitting there for the longest time. And you don't want to move. And then when you do, and you're like, finally, I'm going to go pee. And then the movie's going to start. And you're like, oh, I guess I got to hold it. <laughs> I don't want to miss the beginning of the movie. And then like, at the, and then the start of the movie, I'm like, oh, I got to go pee. God, I don't want to get killed. <laughs> So it was, yeah, it created paranoia instantly. Yeah. It it also sticks out a lot, too, from the other three movies because there's no phone call in this. This isn't, like, a ghost face, like, kind of cat and mouse thing. It's really weird. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out the logistics of all this. So was Ghostface just hanging out in the bathroom stalls waiting for someone to listen to them take a shit or something? I, 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 I guess, because that's the no. other question, too. Like, is that we don't see the specific, like process like we don't see the process of ghost face targeting in any of them but like we don't particularly understand why them yeah exactly or how we he... do later on in the movie we find oh, out actually. because their names are maureen and steve oh, doy yeah, and yeah. Then the third person is sarah michelle geller which is cc and that's a nickname for casey he's the, right. the person the copycat killer With telling the off same people names. the same names. But how do right. they know the names of these that also two people? Did they, they know them? Apparently, they all went to school there. Oh, okay. Right? They all went to the oh, same school. Right. So Ghostface is watching them go to this movie, which I'm like, so you waited to see if this guy was going to go to the bathroom at some point. I don't know. That's been watching. Like, how many times you go to the movie and he instantly goes to the bathroom every time? That must be the only reason why. All right, he's going to go to the bathroom. He always does, right? At the beginning of the movie. I mean, he, he, had the, he, he had the, the, the popcorn person, like, put, like, extra sugar or something in the soda <laughs> to make him go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to need a lot of salt in, on this popcorn so I can drink a lot of soda so that he's got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm going to sound all perverted, like, whatever, in the stall next to him. It's a weird plan for Ghostface this time. It works for him, but, like, it's a weird plan. Yeah, I The get... thing that bothers me <laughs> about this this plan and what this guy's reaction, I can't remember, Steve, his name's Steve. Steve's reaction is, why is he putting his ear up to the stall wall when it's just a stall wall? It's not even a full, so he could just hear it the exact same amount that he could without putting <laughs> his ear up to point. it. Because <laughs> he's in a bathroom, everything's echoing around, you know. So I mean, in I best case scenario, you're listening to somebody talk to themselves through a poop. Like that's that's yeah. best case scenario. I don't it know. Can't what, be that interesting. What you're getting? I think that's this. only acceptable for children. <laughs> like I've I've been in public bathrooms where I heard people talk to themselves. I really don't mind or care what is happening dude i'm just like airpodding up like i don't yeah. want to hear you you don't want to hear me let's just let's just pretend let's just be civilized and get through I this exist. i can't stand people bluetooth in their conversations and then walking into the bathroom but, oh those people know. are animals and should be why? arrested why would yeah. you want to put somebody on the other end? why hey like, i don't what's happening I, would, I don't want to hear this on the other end of the line why are you doing this to me people think they're so important they think they can't miss that much of the conversation the, the two yeah, or the, like, the three or call five me minutes back. Yeah, three oh minutes gang like which also, speaking of uh, lengths of time to go to the bathroom, the two ghost faces that are at the urinals, th uh, this is huge full bladders. They are at, they're there for a good minute. <laughs> 
that was, that was something I was saying to my girlfriends was watching this last night. It's like this is unrealistic. Guys don't pee for that long. They just <laughs> they don't pee for that long. <laughs> Unless something's wrong. No, like. <laughs> They must have stood in line for forever and drank. Yeah, like or a like waiting to of... the end of their showing or whatever. To uh... also, everybody's so hype about this movie, but while it's playing, like everyone's in the lobby, everyone's going to the bathroom. Like y'all, I thought you wanted to see this movie, but the whole theater is full. So like, how many theaters are showing this movie? Yeah, Two. really. Because they have like the big the, inflatable thing outside, so they must be like every theater is showing this. Movie it's not or just something. inflatable. The thing is mechanical, and it has an it's arm stabbing. Crazy! <laughs> down to the street. And like, it's such a good level of camp for the like. It's all ridiculous. I love like, it. Like way more ridiculous than the first one, but it's like the perfect level of camp for what Scream kind of becomes as mm-hmm. as a horror franchise. It, it, I love it. It's kind of like the movie is like excited for itself too. Like yeah, it, it's awesome. It knows you're yeah. excited. It's excited excited like well i mean it's very obvious the studio does not give a shit about what the real events it's based on because i mean they look at they took it from the book that gail ruthers wrote and then they ended up you know turning it into this thing that heather graham is in and all the stuff that happens like she's taking a shower but meanwhile she's making popcorn yeah. <laughs> at the same time on I the just... stove that's burning up you know and like <laughs> Go face it on the roof and <laughs> looking down in the skylight. Like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, it's the dumbest thing. I don't know. I they love obviously that didn't too. take any of it seriously. Yeah, I love that they do that because, like, if this happened and they were, like, in, in especially in the mid-2000s, if somebody actually made a horror movie that was based on whatever, that's exactly how they would do it. Like, the, the sexualized opening scene that she even comments on, she's like, why do we need to see her in the shower? It has nothing exactly. to do with anything. Um, which is exactly what a movie would do. And we know that it's over-sexualization because we literally saw what happened in the first movie. She was not in the shower. Um, and completely and they add all these sweater. Ridic- yeah. yeah, we uh, see all these ridiculous details that, that they added that we know isn't true because we literally saw it go down. Yeah, because it's almost like they went, okay, but we need to make this a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even more of a movie than it already was. <laughs> I also just want to know how, because there are like lots of details that are, you know, very similar. Of course, it's, you know, it's trying to be the first screen movie. I just want to know how did they get these details? Because Casey and Steve died and so did Billy and Stu. So it was just kind of like, how did they piece this together yeah. with no witnesses? Just nobody saw this. That's so weird. I didn't even think about that. But like, they must have had some. Well, like, I mean, killer... that's the kind of the you know crime scene investigators are like. All right, well, this is probably what happened based on this. You know, the and then she said Jason said the chase Voorhees. So <laughs> <laughs> classic Friday the Thirteenth killed question. <laughs> we see it a dozen times a year. Yeah. I just I I do like this a lot because as I said, I love how campy and like just really ruckus and just off the wall it is. Um, I do feel like, though, it is commenting on kind of how callous audiences are. Audiences are, ugh, I can't say that word, just how callous people are. and <laughs> In the audience. Yes, in the audience. <laughs> and I kind of also feel like it's sort of commenting on how th- there's definitely, like, I feel like especially in the early aughts and like late 90s, that there was kind of like this fear of how horror movies influence people, especially young people, and that, you know, you see it, you think, that since you're watching violence, it makes you a violent person. And Billy definitely kind of comments the comments on this at the end of the first movie. And this one, I think, is kind of really showing like this is what you think horror fans are like. That you think that yeah. we're excited about watching these real people being murdered, and that we are rooting for the the 
the slasher killer and, and everything. I, so I kind of felt like this mo- this this opening scene specifically was kind of commenting on people aren't like this. Like, look at the movie theater you're in right now. It's not like this for this movie. Well, it's excited, but it's not going, you know, excited about real killers and everything. That's what I kind of felt like this was commenting on. Yeah, because I bet that's some of the, like, the feedback that they got from the first movie. Because B- Billy and Steven say that, like, we did this because we love horror movies and, like, that's how we were inspired to do this. So I bet that's a lot of the comments they got from the mm-hmm. first movies is people saying, like, oh, the message of this film is that watching horror movies makes you violent. And so uh, to be able to use this scene to take that and go, no, this is what would happen if watching horror movies made you violent. And like, <laughs> this is obviously not the real world, um, I think is very a very smart response to that. Definitely. And you know what? And it, it, the really cool thing that Kevin Williamson did with this was that he's making that statement, but he's also at the same time, you know, he's making a comparison to the first movie because in the first movie, like we said, there was all this isolation that she's out there by herself, oh, you know, and this one, it's, she's surrounded by people. They are within arm's length and no one is helping her. Oh, so it's like, you're not safe anywhere. That's basically yeah. what you're saying at the same time. And it's also the only one that doesn't take place inside a house. That's true too. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, this is this really breaks the formula. And it's interesting that later on they would go back to the phone call in the house. Mm-hmm. formula they definitely played to the trope of um to putting the black characters getting killed in the second movie yeah. like you don't have black kill- characters in the first movie you put them in the second one and they're the ones that get killed off you yeah know? i love trope i love that they comment on that the only point that frustrates me about this is then they don't go on to refute it like yeah. they don't go on to break the mold they just say like oh isn't it like funny how this happens and then they don't like do it's still else. happening. Haha, ha, sorry. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I, it's the only thing that bothers me about it, really. I will say, so I don't know, Dustin, you, you might be familiar with this, but uh, from the research I've done, the original script, the, the movie that we have isn't the original script. The original script was leaked on the internet, and they so they made some changes, including who the two killers were. One of the killers in the original script was uh, Sidney Prescott's, um, her roommate, Hallie, uh, who, who who was uh, who was a black character in this movie that was later on killed in this, but she was going to be one of the ghost faces, one of the ghost faces in, in this movie. So that would have been really fun to see, just you know, person of color in this have like a prominent role in this. Um, yeah, I think this is like one of those first movies that when people were anticipating it coming out and they wanted to know like you know the ending or who the killer is or whatever the big mystery reveal is that they started like making false endings of scripts and that, that you know for that any leaks to the public no one would actually know what the ending would be mm-hmm. i think this is like one of those first movies like from the 90s from the early aughts that they started doing that with because because of that because they had to change like oh, crap now we got to change it you know or we have to go back and reshoot and change something else you know so they had to start learning their lesson i don't really remember that as it being, I mean, I, that's interesting to me, but I don't remember. I remember, like, I remember at some point that in the first screen movie, like the dad was possibly going to be the killer at one point from you know from the first screen movie. But then I think that might have been Scream Three; he was going to be the killer. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's I didn't know anything about that. That thought it was pretty interesting. I gotta say, I think that would have been a better reveal. I, I would have been a little bit more shocked by that. I think that would have been more fun, but whatever. I... <laughs> you know, innocent character you don't see coming. Yeah, yeah you don't exactly. have any suspicion towards mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. So moving on to Scream 3, yikes. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so That's how you really feel. Yeah, uh, this... 
I will say it's a phenomenal movie to get drunk to, just make fun of. Um, but I think that's it's what definitely a drinking game movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, so Scream Three. This I think that this is the one where Kevin Williamson wasn't a part of it. Uh, they didn't use his script for it. I feel like you really sense that here. But anyways, so Scream Three, the opening of this, we are getting back to creepy phone calls, and we open up with Cotton Weary, which I thought was a pretty cool opening thing to have. Um, I will say that the first time I watched this, I really did like the opening um, because I did feel a lot of tension and kind of I was really worried about Cotton's girlfriend in this. And it was it was really cool because this was the first time that we got like two locations in the opening scene. Cotton's stuck in traffic and what's going on in his real house and kind of like that that uh, ticking clock of him getting back home in time. Uh, so all of that was really cool. There are a lot of things that are kind of stupid about this too. Like, uh, I, I love how Ghostface pretends to be like a sexy lady on the phone, and <laughs> and, and Cotton kind of lying about having a girlfriend harkens back to Casey lying about Steve in the first movie in that opening scene too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, so, what all did y'all think about this opening scene? I definitely think this is where Scream crosses over into parody. Like, <laughs> over satire. Like, not, like, full speed, like, swan dive, but, like, kind of steps over the line into it. And this is a very – it's interesting because this is a very plot-heavy opening, which we don't really get from the first two movies or oh, kind of just isolated incidents. This is, like, we are already kind of in the thick of it. We know what Ghostface wants. We know who this person is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's interesting that, that this is the one that kind of crosses over into being a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can definitely tell it's written by somebody else. It's not Kevin Williamson. It's just, it's a completely different vibe. The feeling, the language used, like the jokes made are felt, kind of fell flat. Um, it just, it feels, it kind of feels, and it's the shortest opening. It's, you know, only nine minutes and 22 seconds. Blissfully. And yeah, and it's, it feels, it, it's like, well, we're just going to get to the point. And it just doesn't, I don't know. It feels rushed. It feels it rushed. And the only cool thing about it, you know, and it does, you know, like, I know that the, the part where, you know, it's the female is flirting with, you know, it's the, the voice changing device that Ghostface is using in this movie, which I think is kind of a cool device as far as like, you know, adding to the who done it, who is it mystery kind of thing. You know, it could be anybody's voice. It, who, you know, is Ghostface using the voice changer at this point or is it actually the person, you know, you know, we don't know. So I thought that was really cool, the setup for that. But it's you can totally just feel that. Yeah. I can see the plot as being Kevin Williamson, which it is. The story is plotted out by Kevin Williamson, but the person who wrote it is just like, yeah, we're going to camp this up. <laughs> and yeah. it just doesn't, it just, meh, it falls flat for me. This was also supposed to be the last film in the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Before they decided to make four. I believe so. Yeah, because it was supposed to be just a trilogy. Yeah, so it kind of make. I guess it makes sense that they kind of veer into just going directly into the plot because they have to like tie it up. They have to finish it and they don't because they go and make another one. But they're like, <laughs> this was their goal was to kind of finish it. Uh, it. Um, and it's also, I think, interesting too that because of that and because our, like the first person we see on screen is Cotton Weary that we know he's going to die and we go, oh, we're just, we're killing characters that we've seen in other movies now. So mm-hmm. now really no, no one's safe hard. yeah exactly again i like we say that every movie like no one's safe but really this now we time. really mean it because we're doing it from the beginning yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like you know I, I guess i could see them going okay how do we convince people that people aren't safe again because you know this is like what you were saying adam this is the first time that they've killed off an established character that's been in all the movies so far it would be yeah yeah i, I get what you mean and it, it is a good way to kind of 
reinstate no one is safe because we just killed off an actual character, not a random person you've never seen before. And the thing is, yeah, he really, I mean, he was in the first movie for like a second, like just that, that footage of him getting put into a cop car. And then, but you remembered him somehow, I don't know how, but we remembered him, that character that was barely mentioned in the first movie and then brought into the second movie. And, you know, we're, okay, now we're getting to care about this character. Like at first you think, oh my God, he might be it, it might be, and then you find out at the end, it's not him. And he really just is, wants to clear his name. And then he, you know, you're like, okay, good. He's, you know, she, you know, turns the, you know, ask Cotton what happened, you know, turns the, you're like, oh, good, he's going to have a good life. And then you're kind of, that's where it leads off for him. Like, he's pretty much in the last scene. And then we start off the first scene, all right, we're going to kill Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? We just got to like this to, guy. They have to kind of make him sound like kind of a, like a dick in order to justify killing him. But, like, they do the thing where he, like, lies about having a girlfriend and stuff, which is, like, a weird, like, you could tell they're kind of like, oh, we got to make him unlikable enough that we can kill him um because i mean come on i kind of love hate the name of the show 100 percent. i was about to say yeah, that. It's yeah. Like, no, but it's good. you like it because it's clever but at the same time you're like you douche yeah it sucks <laughs> but like i hate that you picked that um because it's so good um my biggest gripe with this scene i think is the like the structure and pacing of it is so weird. We're like constantly starting and stopping and we get the two different like cat and mouse sequences. We get it at first with Cotton's girlfriend and then again with Cotton. And I feel like by the time that it's happening to Cotton, we just kind of like lose momentum of it. Like we already got it. We saw the kill. We saw the like, and then we do it again. Like we didn't mm-hmm. have to. That that's was what felt the the strangest about it for me. And what felt really strange about about it uh, for me as well was just Ghostface stalking his girlfriend when, when she's in the shower. Because he, like, kind of steps all the way into the shower, or into the bathroom, I mean. Um, and I'm just like, how does this character, his girlfriend, I mean, just not notice? Scream, you're doing the thing you're making fun of. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. And this is also, like, the, the, the closest to, like, nudity that we get to, um, which is also, again, I feel like just diverting more and more from kevin williamson's stuff because scream doesn't have like any nudity in their movies and again i think that's without the 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 uh the lack of that is also a comment on how slashers have been for like the past 20 years or whatever um but it it's i will say something that was really effective for me that really creeped me out for some reason was when we're just getting now her story we're following his girlfriend in the house and i apologize i forget her name um i think it's I have in my notes. Uh, it's Christy. Yeah, it is Christy. Christy. So we're following Christy in the house. And I do love the little cat and mouse between them. It was creepy for me at first, especially when she thinks someone's in the house, but she's not sure yet. And then that rock, like grunge music starts playing. What was it? Creed? I'm, I'm not sure who, it, what, which, which band it was. I can't remember. It was Creed. Creed did the, like, produced the entire soundtrack. It was the wow. worst soundtrack I have ever purchased in my entire pick. life. Yeah, it's it's so Creed, which was a Christian rock band, decided to score soundtrack a horror flick. Like, why they pick Creed? Really, they were available. I guarantee you, that's why. (laughs) And so, so I guess just hearing Creed is extra creepy. (laughs) Like, it really does creep me out when I heard it. I was like, that's just weird. Like, somebody's in your house and they're like playing with your instruments and playing this really weird music and now she has to go and turn it off and that's kind of like are you creeped out by christian rock christian <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, not so creep. do you like weird music <laughs> <laughs> what what a minute 
it's in people listening home it's okay to like read but yeah, yeah it's you can like <laughs> if you want to but i reserve the right to to dunk on you for it yeah <laughs> it's uh, not stopping you but yeah that was that was the one thing about this one element of this that did really kind of creep me out and just go i don't know like the hair on on my spine and neck just kind of stood up when that whole sequence happened yeah i think it has good moments but like overall it's just it's, it's, a, it's just strange mm-hmm. um and um like i know that it's important to reveal what ghostface is after right off the bat by like uh like he's um asking where she is um i kind of wish they'd held it like i don't know if they could have for plot purposes but like i don't know i, I like i like the mystery of the first two of like not per- exactly knowing why ghostface is doing this and obviously they're trying to tie together the franchise and stuff but like i don't know i think they they, they revealed it too early yeah, yeah, I agree with that. The only thing that they kind of, the only kind of mystery that they sp- sprinkled throughout was all those pictures of Maureen Prescott when she yeah. was younger, and it was like, well, we know that, and then it really, you're making it less of a mystery because we kind of get, all right, well, she used to do this, and apparently, this is going to lead into this. She has a past, yeah. and you know, which I hate so much how they retcon yeah. the first movie with this. I just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> some stellar fight choreography, though. I noticed there's some good fights in this. Uh, some horrible kills, though, in this one. Yeah, kills not great. There's a lot of things that suck about this. I mean, <laughs> their their Parker fight Posey is not one of the things that good. sucks about this. She is awesome in this movie. Was, was she was she the actress that was acting super creepy? She's the one who was acting as Gail. Oh, 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 okay, yes, of course, yeah. She gets killed mm-hmm. behind in the closet and thrown through the mirror. Yeah. yeah. God, Weird kills. <laughs> Weird, strange. Uh, yes, I just, I don't know. I feel like if you want to sum up this movie, it's the scene where Ghostface throws a knife at Dewey and the blunt end hits him in the forehead. <laughs> Very, like, in another movie, that would be hilarious. <laughs> he has the best luck ever. <laughs> yeah, Dewey. That's all it is. It's basically, we're just going to show you how much luck time. Dewey has. Boom. <laughs> that man has some plot armor. Yeah, makes it out every time. But yeah, this this screen three, it's just this opening just didn't do it for me. Same. I could appreciate for what it is, but not as much. Do you feel like there's any sort of like commentary on in this opening scene for Scream Three? Um, commentary of just get the original writer to write it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they're just so focused on like we have to end the Scream franchise that like it's very very plot heavy. It is. I, I think the only the main thing I was kind of getting was just like, I guess how much I guess they're trying to kind of comment on how shitty some like Hollywood actors are. Like, uh, Cotton is complaining to his agent about having to audition for like a slasher movie. He's like, I don't want to do a stupid slasher movie. I want to do something better. And it's kind of like putting down the genre that you're making right now. Sort of. It's kind of commenting how people don't want to do that and. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was kind of weird for me to hear that in this movie. Well, I think that it also is maybe about uh, a commentary on like the growing technology of the day. Like when I said the voice changer thing, like things are going to change and things are, people are going to start thinking of new ways to fool you, you know, and, and get to you and, you know, and whatnot. So that might have something to do with it as well. How, uh, Dustin, I know that you said that you like the voice changer. Adam, what do you think about it? Because this is a very controversial thing of this movie. If you like go on like screen forums and stuff, this is a thing that people debate a bunch. Yeah, I think my biggest thing about it is like what I talked about with the first one. It takes away from the realism a little bit of like everything else that you see in the previous screen movies. You're probably like, okay, I could probably be fooled by that. Or like I would have done the same thing or whatever with this. Like... I had a hard time believing that like a, a, a voice changer could 
do that and therefore I would be fooled by it. So it just kind of takes away from some of the, the, the reality of it for me. Yeah. It's at the time, especially I get, I totally get that. But nowadays when you have voice changing apps that can absolutely do this, oh, yeah. it's kind of like if you look and watch this movie now, it's not so, you know, far fetched at that right. time. Definitely. It was like, uh, okay. I had to really suspend some disbelief for this, but yeah. is Ghostface an alien? Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. Cause that's the thing too. I don't really have to it's suspend disbelief technology. for the first couple of movies, but this one you kind of got to go, okay. All right. Scream. Like you, you go ahead. <laughs> I think while I was doing the research, because uh, uh, y'all brought up how the kills in this aren't very, are pretty dull in this movie as well. When I was reading about this, that that was very purposeful because, again, what we talked about from Scream 2, how horror movies influence people. Me, the media was kind of hyping up how uh, horror movies influence violence. And this was around the time that Columbine happened. So I think that they were really trying to go more comedy than horror in this movie, which... I guess I get for like the time it came out, but yeah, I just wish I, I don't would. think it quite achieved yeah. the tone that it wanted, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when this came out, yeah, it was because my Columbine happened my uh, senior year of high school, and this came out my freshman year of college. And mm. the, I mean, the whole theater was packed, and we had to like sit in the very front row, like right up against the screen. That's how like yeah, it sucked. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember that, and we were just like everybody walked out of there just feeling like that was. Blah. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody was like, "Yeah, this." I don't. No one really talks about Scream Three, and it's because this movie sucked. It's, it's like, <laughs> in comparative whatever. to all the others, it really sucked. Like yeah. you have to watch it if you want to know what's going on, but it's not like almost. Almost you. Yeah. The only thing really is I, at the end of this movie where like Stewie or uh, sorry, Stu and Gail's relationship kind of. Um, does he propose to her at the end of this movie? You mean Dewey? Do- oh, you I'm mean sorry. Dewey, right? Okay. Wow, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Lillard didn't know. That's an alternate version of Scream. You get all my Deweys mixed up. Um, at the end of this movie, the only thing you kind of like, I guess, sort of need is just seeing that Dewey proposes to Gail. Yeah, I think so. At the end of this movie. And that's kind of just the only like real good takeaway from this, I think. Uh, there is somewhat of a redemption arc for Gail in this movie, I think. Um but, yeah, and then there's the whole like Sydney is dealing with her, you know, PTSD and mm-hmm. dealing with trusting mm-hmm. people and you know being putting herself out in the. I'm like, did you not learn from your like living out in the middle of nowhere the first time? Like, yeah. <laughs> don't live out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. A dog's oh, not going to help point. you. They will kill the dog. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to Scream Four. I actually really enjoy Scream 4. It's my second it's my second favorite movie of the franchise, actually. Um, but in this opening sequence, though, I kind of have mixed feelings about. And again, there's a lot of discussion about this on the forum. Some people love it, some people hate it. Um, it's going right back into the incredible meta uh, commentary that Scream always has. It's movies within movies. We're getting back to the stab movies, which I'm kind of not going to lie. I like I like the idea of the stab movies in these. Um, but what would everyone think of the opening for Scream 4? I appreciate the format. I think it's a little on the nose. Like, I think the first two especially were smarter about the satire. Like, sure, they had the kind of, like, shoe-in comments of, like, oh, this always happens in the horror movie. This one's a little, like, it, it's it's a little obvious mm-hmm. um, for me. Um, I get it, but... I think it's it, it, it's it's yeah. just it's just a little bit too much. 
yeah, it's kind of like, let me think a little bit, you know, and uh, you don't yeah. have to spoon feed me. <laughs> like I've seen three of them already. Like I, I know. Yeah. I get it, Scream. Well, I be- yeah, I can see that. I can, you know, I didn't expect it to go the way it did. The fake outs, you know what I mean? I think that was what was that was the thing that was the shocking part about it. You know, like the first two movies were shocking as far as like how they handled you know obviously the first one is the first one that's gonna be shocking the second one was shocking in that it was completely it was opposite like i said it wasn't uh, you know surrounded by people the third one was just kind of um yeah (laughs) it was okay (laughs) but this one kind of did it starts off with a shock but then as you go on you start okay this is kind of (laughs) funny and it kind of went back to the humor but you're still shocked at the same time and then you're like all right where are we going to stop this you didn't know where it was going to end and and how it was really going to start playing out, which I liked that. I thought it was something that caught you off guard at first, you know. And like, it is still on the nose, as in far as like, hey, we're making fun of our stuff. This is really meta. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, you didn't know we were going to do this. <laughs> and so I, I thought do like- that was kind of cool. I do like that they start off talking about torture porn because this came out and like the the really highlight of that kind of phase of horror films um i do this is nothing to do with anything they the i think it's the first set of girls lucy hale and the other one where they say they're watching Shania grimes uh yeah when they're watching saw four as their uh their movie which is such a weird pick for movie night because it's like smacko in the middle of the saw franchise and <laughs> saw is the most convoluted horror franchise in the universe and you need to have context for like every single movie you watch so saw four is a weird pick for movie night but um i think that's that's one piece of very smart commentaries that when uh when they go to talk about uh like mm-hmm. the the splatter movies and stuff yeah oh yeah it's totally and you know and that's what's funny about that is like they picked all four and then we find out we're watching stab six mm-hmm. <laughs> was it the beginning of stab six and then it goes into it's uh anna paquin and kristen yeah, bell kristen and they're bell. they're at the beginning of stab seven watching stab six like it's, yeah what are we watching here <laughs> i think that's funny but then like even when they go back to like the real world there's still like a couple of fake outs and i think by like the six fake out i was like okay scream I get it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, I, I appreciate some of the commentary that we are getting through this about the, again, it's, it's again getting back to the original where it's kind of commenting on the state of horror that it's coming out in and it's kind of, you know, talking about how it disagrees with uh, torture porn, how it doesn't think those are actually scary. This movie will scare you, kind of, and also make you laugh. But, yeah. uh, it's I also love the one of the first uh, girls in the I think Stab Seven opening. Uh, she has the, the, the sidekick phone, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was I don't know, just very much dates this, and it's very funny. But it's also adding in a new element instead of the phone call from Ghostface, which I think we get one. It, you're, you're getting text messages, and you're being catfished by this person on Facebook now, and it's kind of showing. Oh God! All that. all these different new ways of Ghost yeah. Ghostface can communicate and. Um, do the it's cat and mouse game with you and you know what though that like what you brought up the catfish part of it it kind of um her commentary on like being catfished it just shows like just how and the fact that oh i like saw four and like really this is crap this torture porn crap like it just shows how dead like they are to like they're not reacting to it at all like it's just common it's nothing it doesn't scare me at all you know what i mean like this guy's stalking you <laughs> and yeah I mean, and the fact that she kind of says oh he just says stuff like what's up you're hot i want to kill you you know I'm like, <laughs> um what 
Which Dude said, like, I want to kill you, and you're still talking to him? He's really hot, though. And they're like, that's Channing Tatum. You're being catfished. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's like you get so mad at her in the moment, and then it's revealed that they're not real. They're like the film. So like, I, I like that in the sense of like they are now satirizing how they dumb down the characters for horror movies. But then also at the same time, you kind of wasted your initial energy of like being mad about the characters on things that aren't actually happening. Yeah. Because um, that's, <laughs> that's the one thing I think about these fake outs that, that, that don't do it for me is that we get two of like the ghost face phone calls, the who is this, the like iconic sort of line. We get it one when in the, within the, like, the first fake movie. Um, and then we get it again later with the real girls. And I think when we get it the second time, it's like lost in zing. Like we already got the who is this. Yeah. Um, and now when it's real, when it's the actual characters, um, it's not as like exciting because we already saw it happen once. Well, don't you think like the, um, the, 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 the fake out openings for each one leading up to that point, maybe that's what it's supposed to do is kind of make you feel desensitized to it. Yeah, I think that too. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I was saying. Like, these characters, like, in the first one are already desensitized. Talking about, oh, we're watching, you know, Saw 4, and they're in Stab 6. And then the the Stab 7 people, the girl is obviously desensitized because she stabs the other girl. And then it goes into, you know, the, the, quote, real world of Scream. And then you're just kind of, you're already, now you're desensitized. And now you're watching this, and you're like, eh, whatever. And now we've got to, and basically in a way, it's it's kind of like he's like, now I've got to gain your trust to watch the rest of this movie kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I've got to, you're going to want to watch this because it's going to get, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. we're going to play with it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And they do. And it's a really good job. I will say, Dustin, that it the, it when we get to the real world characters, the movie does reel me back in because I do enjoy the chase scene that we get um because that one did kind of it was kind of blood pumping for me and i i did enjoy it actually and i do love how it ends with with the garage door again kind of like harking back to tatum from the first movie um and, and there's still a, there's even a nod to halloween there when the one girl gets thrown through the window through the uh the french doors kind of like um the guy in halloween did at yeah. one point and i also think that's kind of like the opening of the first screen movie where he threw the chair through the door said this time that it's too, a body. yeah yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many like different little things you can, like point out like that, which is I like that it's referencing itself in this. And like I said, it it does win me back with that chase scene because I was because I was, you know, you do that thing where like, you yell at the TV when you're watching these slashers. And I was yelling when she got hid behind the door. And then for some reason, she turns the light on. I'm like, he, he would see that. You're, you're, <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of like yeah. yelling, but um, and it, it, it won me back with the chase scene. That's fair. <laughs> and it's okay if you don't like it. Yeah, you're allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, at the beginning of it, you're like, okay, whatever. We just saw this two times, you know, and then now, yeah, but then the chase scene comes. It's like, all right, yeah. so this is the real one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this Focus. is the one we're watching. So, oh, oh, crap, crap. All right. Yeah, that's the thing. I like, I definitely like this one better than Scream 3, um, but I, it just didn't do it for me like the first two did. Oh, yeah, and that's totally fine. Yeah, it mm. it's... It's definitely lower on the totem pole. Like the the first two, I think really are really good. Stands out a lot. This one, it's meh. the rest of the movie. I think it's really good, but I just, yeah, I don't care I too much for the opening. You can kind of like if you want to think about it. Scream one, Scream two, written back to back. He was in the middle of um, I think it was the faculty or something. Yeah, he didn't do Scream three. And so maybe he just lost his momentum because he want you know, it took a while for him to come back to do Scream 4. It was, you know, good, what, 15 years at least almost. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and so it's not going to be the momentum is not going to be the same, you know, and, and plus, you know, writing style is going to change a little bit, you know, that's, you know, the atmosphere of the movie industry in general has changed. So it's going to be a little bit different. And, you know, I think he did a great job as far as like bringing it back. But I think the one that's the scream, the new scream five basically is the one that's going to be the one that's really going to have to win people over because it's not written by him. And it's the first one that it does not even the story is not even done by him. So oh, really? I don't think so. I don't think he's done the story for this because he's just like, I wish them luck, like that kind of thing. So, okay. I think he's the executive producer, at least. He might be producing it because it is his characters and mm-hmm. his, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's actually done the story. Interesting. Well, I think. So don't, if, if I'm wrong, take that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me look like a fool. <laughs> I definitely want to talk about Scream 5 at the end of this, but um, what you were saying, Dustin, about how his momentum in writing and everything. I think that we kind of need to like take a moment to kind of re- see the run that Kevin Williamson went on in, in the, like the nineties. So he had, you know, Scream 1, 2, and... Well, he didn't do 3, but, like... Oh, he wrote the plot, you said. But Scream 1, 2, and 3. Also, at the same time, he had the faculty. I know what you did last summer, teaching... I think, was it Teaching Mrs. Tingling? or um, Mrs. Tingle. Mrs. Yeah. Tingle teaches Mrs. Tingle. I haven't seen that, but... Um, it was originally named Killing Mrs. Tingle, but then Columbine happened, so they changed it. So. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, there was... So, he was going on a kind of a tear in, in this genre for back to back to back to back to back so and not only that like i said he was he was actually the showrunner and the creator of dawson's creek yes, for quite a few years you know so but yeah so and i, I guess you know kind of like what you're saying that now we're coming back to screen four and i think that this came out like like what like 10 years after screen three or something like that it was it, a bigger gap yeah so i guess he had to think of a way to bring everyone back in and make you familiar with the dna of the franchise commenting on everything to stay of the franchise and then i guess i don't know it, 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 it it's a mixed bag of opening scene but yeah and that'll be the same gap for five right oh it'll yeah be 10 years again yeah about like 12 yeah, years it will be another know. 10 years yeah. about but you can definitely feel the difference you know even though it's written and it's not the exact same you know, as Scream 1 and 2, you can still feel that it is written by him. Like, it's just that that sharp humor, you know, and just the willingness to go ahead and kill somebody off, you know, and mm-hmm. not get used to them, you know. And uh, that's totally a Kevin Williamson move. All right, well, before we kind of wrap things up, was there a... Okay, I'm, I'm going to uh, table Casey Beckard because I feel like that we would all really appreciate her in this and everything but was there a specific kill from any of the opening scenes that like really stuck out to you i mean i think my favorite moment but like again tabling casey is jada pinkett smith's character dying in front of the movie screen mm-hmm. like it's a it's a campy shot it's such a campy shot it's so dramatic but like it's just ah oh, it's so like it's the perfect kind of camp and so well done of her like i think she lets out this like cry in front of the projection screen before she falls to the ground and it's so good mm-hmm. yeah yeah that that's exactly my my favorite opening is scream 2 it's because of that. It's because of that. And only and not because I'm like, oh, yeah, because I think it's campy. And it is campy. But I think it's it's just because it's so scary to think that you are around people who look like your killer, who are not going to help you. You're bleeding. The person's still stabbing you. You go up in front of everybody, and, and they're still kind of, like, not getting it. Until you die, do they finally get that, oh, that was real. You know, and it's just, it's so horrifying to me. 
you know, you expect if you're alone out in the woods and you get killed, yeah, no one's going to be around to help you. But if someone's around you, you expect to be helped and they're not helping her. Oh, my God. It's just, it's horror. It's just, it's terrifying to me. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing as well. Yeah. That, that opening scene. In, in the movie theater, her, you know, dying in front of everybody. And you kind of see everybody slowly change their tone a little bit. Like, some people start to take off the, the ghost face mask. I'm like, oh, wow, like, what's happening? Um, I probably could have had a little bit more of the audience's reaction to this. Like, in the movie theater, I mean. And, um, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Scream 2's opening is awesome. That kill was really good. Uh, the Steve kill and Scream Two was really weird. I, I don't get it, but it's I think still better than some of the stuff we got in like Scream Three and Four. So <laughs> <laughs> bathroom kill. So Scream Five, or now it's just called Scream, which you know whatever. I roll my eyes at that. Um, it's coming out in 2022. Do y'all have any predictions for how the opening of Scream Five could go? I feel I feel like. Because you said before about having to win audiences kind of back, especially since it's such a big gap. Um, I think they're really going to harken back to the first movie in some way or another. Because um, I think that's the opening that has stood the test of time for both like people who were previously fans of the franchise and people who maybe haven't seen or only seen the first one or haven't seen the rest of the movies. That's going to be the kind of iconography that they think of. So I think in order to kind of draw everyone back in they are really going to like relate back to it in some way or another whether it's in format if it's in reference how i'm not sure how but i feel like that's the move they're gonna make i think they're definitely gonna do like you said they're definitely gonna make the third the callback to the first movie obviously they are they already renamed it the same name as scream (laughs) so it's scream again so they're definitely like all right we're kind of doing a soft reboot where it's still an ongoing story because they're obviously bringing back the original characters. They're older now, so they're not, you know, doing that kind of reboot. But they're they're still using it as an ongoing story. But it's like soft reboot where like, all right, new generation. This is what's what this is how we're doing this now. Um, but I think as far as opening sequence, every single opening sequence has been two people. It's you know usually a couple, but like the last one has been you know, Scream Four was you know two people, then two people, then two people <laughs> killed you know in sequence. But this will probably be another couple, and I kind of feel like maybe they'll do a gender flip on the original, so it won't be. Maybe it'll be a final guy in the beginning. You know what I mean? And not mm. final guy. But you know what I'm saying? Well, maybe I would the love girl to get see killed that. first. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they'll do that. a gender flip to where it kind of like, hey, equality, boom. <laughs> I mean, I would love to say <laughs> Sometimes that. Sometimes the girl like, gets killed first, guys. <laughs> I always think about Nightmare on Elm Street two, and how good a male scream queen is and how nobody's done it since, even though it was so good in scream and, um, in Nightmare on Elm street too. So I would love to see, uh, a scream take that on. I think they would do it well. Um, something that I would hope to see is that since this is kind of like a soft reboot and it kind of commenting on just how we've had so many reboots lately, especially in horror. Um, I think it'd be really funny if they show, cause in the first scream, they show Halloween, on the TV and then back they're all like kind of watching it throughout the movie. It'd be really fun if they show Halloween 2018 is on the TV now in this in the background. Yeah. I would I would love that little nod. I think that would be smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz it was funny cuz they used they used Halloween H2O in Scream 2, didn't they? Oh yeah, they did. Yes. Yes. And didn't And that was Kevin Williamson as well. He wrote that as well. So Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that that Okay, I I really hope that we get that now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
Adam and Dustin, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun to just kind of talk about the opening scenes of Scream. Uh, any any final thoughts uh, on this franchise or anything before we wrap it up? I mean, if you haven't seen them and you think that like you've seen every meta horror movie, or if you don't like meta horror movies, still try Scream because mm-hmm. it, it 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 I won't say it invented it, but it kind of codified it and does it super well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I'll you know I'll jump on top of that. Like, <laughs> um, I think a lot there are a lot of you know new slashers that came out after that as well. You know, and um, this one is just like I want to say the granddaddy of of uh, meta slashers. You know, that's that's the one you got to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Adam and Dustin, so much. Uh, Adam, will you please tell people uh, where they can find your podcast and if they want to follow you? Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, that you can find The Great American Scream on anywhere that you get your podcasts. And uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, and then I'm also on all platforms at Adam J. O'Con, O-C-O-N. Um, if you want to follow me, I post scary stuff and pictures of my dog. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find Dustin Can Read pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts and you can find me on Twitter if you want to just you know follow me and see the stupid things I say uh, <laughs> at Dustin underscore Holden or you can actually follow more of my stuff uh, there's more of that on uh, Dustin can read on Instagram so just look that up and you will find me there and uh, yeah <laughs> awesome well thank you guys so much for coming on this was so much fun everybody be sure to go and follow them I will have links in the show notes and I'll see you guys next week bye thanks for having us bye bye